0: okay so welcome to uh, my first edition of our uh, podcast for uh, business of dentistry I don't have a name exactly set yet for this but uh, we were tossing around some ideas I just wanted to give you a little introduction my name is dr. Ben Oppenheimer I've been a dentist since 2004 and that's uh, my year of graduation and then in 2007 I founded a, a dental practice focusing on dental implants Um, But it was very quickly that I recognized that even though I wanted to place dental implants, I needed to have a good uh, mix of uh, patients coming through the door uh, that were in need. So I I recognized that marketing was going to be critical to achieve that. And so I started small, and uh, I also recognized that marketing is just one component of, of business, and it's an important component of business. So... A lot of what we're going to be talking about with this uh, cast is related to uh, the marketing side, but we're going to delve into it in more detail over time. My goal is to make these um, small, uh, short podcasts so that we can enjoy them in small little uh, elements, but we'll have them be interactive in a way as well, uh, and uh, that will be described to you again in uh, something future. So, we're going for about maybe 15 minutes here and there you know if you have a break for lunch or something like that uh, and you want to listen uh, while you're in your car on the way we're not going to have really long drawn-out casts at least not yet Uh, maybe we'll have some specials where we uh, have some people on that are a little bit unique or have something unique to, to mention in dentistry, and we'll provide that to you in, in longer bits. But I wanted to just kind of give you a background. So if you're interested in learning about um, how to build a successful uh, dental practice um, or multiple practices like, like what I've done and uh, the acquisition and all of that, from my personal perspective, I, you know, I'm a, a dentist, but again, just recognize that uh, we need to manage a business in order to be successful. We can talk about so many different things, but everything is going to be not related to the practice of clinical dentistry. So this is going to be just basically everything except for clinical dentistry. So unfortunately, no questions about um, how to place an implant or um, uh, solutions for difficult cases things like that uh, that's not what we wanted to do here but I mean we might do something in the future so anyway I mentioned marketing in in the intro so uh, what better way to start uh, our podcast than to introduce my marketing partner Michael Kern? say hi Mike hello everyone thanks Benjamin so you know we're we've been talking about doing this for a while and uh, one of the big reasons is that uh, you own a marketing company. I'm your partner in the company, Apex Dental Solutions. And what we've been trying to do is help dentists to market implant dentistry to their local markets. And there's so many ways of doing it. And uh, there's a lot of people out there trying to do the same thing. And I don't want to spend too much time in our background. We can, you know, hint to that as we continue here. But, you know, one of the things that I know about dentists is they tend to be really, um, we'll say price sensitive, but what I really want to say is cheap, <laughs> right? And it's often hard because we don't really have courses in dental school or, um, you know, anything that like that uh, on business or marketing or budgeting and things like that. And so you kind of just get thrown in, which is why a lot of guys, I think, start out um, just trying to save some money or pay back their loans and things and let somebody else deal with all that but it's really important and I consider marketing and maybe we can start here I consider marketing like a top line growth generator certainly not a bottom line protector but I also don't want to spend so much money and waste it and not have it work out right so do you want to just maybe talk for a minute about Um, why it's important to control the expenses and maybe even just a little advice about what you give your clients for, you know, how to start, how to start with marketing. If you want to do, again, uh, implant dentistry or I guess anything for that matter. And what is good to market? You know, and I've just asked four or five questions and uh, um, I hate that because I, I usually have to write things down, but you know, go ahead and just talk a little bit about what what's good to market? Why you chose to do what you chose to do, and I guess how it's been working, and why do
1: you think it's been working? We can go from there. Excellent. Well, that's a great starting point. And I would say that the uniqueness of the offering is special, and I've been involved in, in, in niche marketing, medical marketing specifically now for my career. And I, I you, know, you mentioned dental implants, and I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to promote the implant procedure for many different reasons. Um, You know, it's 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 a motivating it's a motivating factor patients want it Um, It also carries great production per hour as you know, which is one of the main reasons you like to focus on it It's a great driver uh, as far as a way to gain new patients to the practice Uh, But you also mentioned there are a lot of different ways to market and you're absolutely right There are a lot of different ways to market. However, there are very few that are actually effective so I think what makes apex dental solutions unique is the experience that we've had together You know, starting this with a shoestring budget, um, you know, eight, nine years ago now, and then growing on top of that responsibly and being very transparent and doing what has the practice's best interest in mind. And I feel like now more than ever, over the past three years, and one of the reasons, as you mentioned, dentists can be cheap. Sometimes they're cheap because they're being cautious. They've been burned. They've been taken advantage of. So they don't want to go down that road again, and we deal with that constantly. Um, But that's why our approach in terms of, you know, responsibility, you know, identifying what the dentist is actually looking for, what his goals are, um, taking that into consideration gets us set up on the right, gets us, gets us going in the right direction uh, for a successful relationship and a profitable relationship. When
0: you mentioned res- being responsible, you, we often don't really hear that a lot in business at all, but dentists know a lot about being responsible because of our ethical obligations to have our license. So I think it's actually very refreshing um, uh, and it's one of the things that we talked about a lot you know is it is it important to be um, honest about this if you can sell things more than you should um, you hold back and I know you do that often but maybe just describe a little bit about um, how you act responsibly um, in in this vein and uh, in your in your um, uh, de- business dealings and trying to really pair the dentist with the proper offerings and is it really complicated or is it actually pretty simple
1: it's not extremely complicated and it's not extremely simple I mean it's 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 a little of both but I will say that it starts off with a conversation you can't there is no recipe right there's really no uh, one way of going about this having a conversation with the dentist and understanding the business is it a successful business is it a struggling business is this a panic decision to start marketing you know we need to know all these things and then, if, as far as the responsibility, the, the responsible aspect of it, the responsibility, I should say, it's looking at the market, making good decisions, you know, based on the fact that what would we do if this was our practice?
0: So I'm going to interrupt you there. I'm going to put you on the spot too. Cool, fine. Love it. Have, give me one example of something that you might see in a market that would lead itself or lend itself toward um,
1: choosing a certain marketing strategy or modality. Okay, excellent. I'll share It's an example from yesterday as a matter of fact. We just uh, just started engaging with a client in Torrance, California. So the very first thing we do is a a market study. uh, I don't want to make it sound too fancy. It's really just looking at competition, looking at current messaging in the implant marketing world, um, and then setting up a a strategy to not only take advantage of second opinion, but be unique in the approach and, and gain higher quality patients. In Torrance, Inter- the internet's very powerful, however, it's flooded. It's extremely competitive. You're talking about a dentist having to pay upwards of $30 to $40 per click for a dental implant search. And every single dental office in that market is competing on price. twenty-four ninety-nine implant abutment and crown. nineteen ninety-nine implant abutment and crown. And the same marketing company is working with multiple dentists in the same area, competing with each other. Uh, that's, to me, not right. But that's a situation where I'm not gonna recommend Google. That's not gonna be the smartest utilization of our budget. I think that that would be a much better scenario for direct mail. Now, once we dig in and look at the demographics for folks that are 55 and older, it's a hotbed. It's prime for that type of marketing. And it's gonna definitely bring more quality. It might not be what the doctor wants to hear. You know, flashy internet, digital. It's more profitable for the marketing company. I would much rather run a digital campaign when it comes down to dollars and cents. However, direct mail's horsepower and in that scenario that's a direction we would go to set that doctor up properly
0: okay so now you mentioned two modalities um, digital and direct mail I know that there's a lot of others and let's let's save a separate podcast to go into some more specific details of what you're doing but I think sure. it basically um, it, it's it kind of boils down to two things that you said understanding their business and um, I guess I said this, but I, I read between the lines, a conflict of interest. It actually you know, makes me furious that there are marketing companies out there that take on uh, the same clients in the same area and help them both promote their business in a, an arena like um, AdWords or any Google ads ad you know any of those Google ad campaigns or really any digital campaigns across multiple platforms where you're actually doing a disservice for the client because you're helping to drive up the cost per
1: click by having multiple clients in one area is that correct or am i wrong That's absolutely correct and that's only increasing the marketing company's profit margin while that's happening so and so one of the things that we talked about early on is that um,
0: it's it's not a good res- it's not being a good responsible partner for the clients to have multiple clients in the same area. So you you we restrict the number of people that can be in any area. So I think it's just one, right? It's exclusive,
1: just one per area. Depending on the demographic, that'll depend on the size of that exclusivity, but. One doctor per area, Sure, absolutely.
0: And it slows down business growth opportunities, but it increases the honesty factor so much. And I know that uh, there's a ton of clients that have been working with us for years as a result of that, and they just stay on. And e- even some of them, if they go off for whatever reason, they quickly realize that they're missing something um, uh, with you specifically because of what, what you've been trying to to achieve for them and for their business let me talk a little bit or ask another question about what you mean by understanding their businesses because marketing is just a small part of the business Um, I guess I should say advertising is a small part of the business Um, marketing really uh, has to do with I'm gonna call it closed loop systems that help to drive revenues and uh, increased return on investment essentially we just want more patients to accept the treatment um, but some marketing companies they stop at uh, lead generation and some of them don't even communicate the leads very clearly to the to the client right so tell me what other aspects of the business in general um, are important from a support perspective um, what other services do you do to maybe prove that there are um, clients calling all the way through supporting by having either phone calls with, with team members, whatever else it is that you want to talk about and how that's important, essentially, not only understand your business, but the full, the full throughput. I, I think I asked maybe 10 questions there. That's <laughs> it's
1: just, all right. It's all right. That's how I'm going to do it. So I think that, that you know, what we're talking about here is our accountability. Uh, We firmly believe in the client, the dentist, holding us accountable to make sure things are going smoothly. You're a dentist, you're busy, you don't necessarily have time to worry about these things. You have to have trusted partners that are going to keep an eye on you and make sure that they have your best interest in mind. Now, accountability in terms of watching and listening to phone calls, that might lead into a front desk that might need some help. You know, When these campaigns kick off, I mean, we know for certain, we can get the phone to ring, we know for certain. We can get patients to book consultations, but one thing that we can't do is control what happens within the office. So we try to pay as close attention as we can. And if someone's struggling when patients are asking questions about how much something costs, we're paying attention to that, we flag it, and then we schedule a training call. These are not things that we charge for. This is part of the service, um, and I think, quite honestly, that has a lot to do with our retention, um, which is key to key to the growth so it's not an upcharge because it's so
0: critical to have it be closed loop and to have someone actually book because you really want to essentially move the needle Um, so now we've talked a little bit about this but why don't you tell the listeners how do dental offices in general do on the phone are they doing really well or are they really doing poorly
1: Uh, I'd say in more recent years, it's trending up in terms of doing better, but I would say the majority are horrible. Okay. The majority are absolutely horrible. I would have to say probably 80%. I bet,
0: you know, maybe many of the listeners here don't have call scripting or at least kind of a dialogue, um, a type of uh, conversational dialogue that they have to answer questions and to properly generate a lead out of the call, right? And then forget about the follow-up systems. Um, uh, What percentage of your clients... Um, would you, or, what percentage of dentists that you've dealt with, not specifically your clients, because you've, you've been training them to do this stuff, but what percentage of the clients, uh, of, of dentists in general, have some type of proper closed loop system where they hit a lead a few times in a few different ways before they give up or before they um, uh, uh, end up getting them in and booking the treatment?
1: I mean, I could say if just to spitball it, I would say 10 to 15 percent if it's overall. Well, I mean, I'm being generous on that, I would say. If it's our clients, I could honestly I could easily say 15%. And
0: I think I mean that's I think that's critically important though because if we so what you mean that, then is that 90% of the dentists that
1: are receiving phone calls are doing a poor job with lead management. I would say that absolutely to be true and they're still successful but they just don't realize how much more successful they could be sure if they just simply focused on making some adjustments. I mean your ROI can go through the
0: roof if you're able to do this but it's an internal business decision that you have to make in order to actually be thinking that I want to make sure that this that that every call that comes in here I'm capitalizing on because I'm paying for that lead you know Um, so if it's a, a per click then you're paying that you know, per click fee for that. I When I talk to my um, front desk people, when I first start training it, I say, imagine um, you pick up the phone and you light a $100 bill in the other hand on fire. That's a good and, way to put it. And you've got to make sure that you're able to capitalize on that in some way, generating the lead um, uh, so that you have a proper way to follow up. Someone's calling for some reason, and uh, they're, if they're responding to an ad, it's because there was a call to action of some sort that led them to to to, uh, want to be uh, a patient of yours or at least
1: inquire about what it would be like to be a patient. Well let's just let me just say this. I think that the big mistake a lot of dentists make is that they don't think of that front desk person as a salesperson. This is sales. It's all about the first impression. That person you can't just throw somebody into the front desk position that is good on the phone. They need to know how to differentiate. I can call 10 different dental offices right now, and I promise you I'll get the same answer every time. Dental office, can I help you? What insurance do you have? That's not why the patient's calling. They're calling right. because they want help. It's, right. hello, how can I help you today? What can I do for you? So picking the right person to be there is also important. But we can usually help take someone that at least has you know, basic skills, is a go-getter, and very polite, and turn them into a, a rock-solid front desk person. So that's
0: interesting. So, what what type of qualities um, uh, do you think a a good person to be receiving these calls? We're saying they're front desk because that's identifiable to the dentist, right? Right. The front desk, usually woman, lady. Typically. Um, uh, uh, so, what type of qualities do you see in this really phone call receiving? person you said it's a it's really a sales position elaborate a little bit on that with the qualities of the individual maybe this will be helpful if someone out there is looking to um, hire someone new you know we don't go to school for business like I said so we don't really know exactly what we're looking for when we hire someone maybe they're a relative or a friend of a friend and they're like yeah I'll show up to work on time but maybe that's not enough so what are we looking for in this front desk person?
1: If you want to boil it down to the two most important parts, is somebody that's outgoing and is a good listener. Because no one wants to be talked at. People want to be talked to. So when I call the dental office and I have questions, I want to be listened to. And if there's somebody that will listen to me and is knowledgeable about this industry, basic information, and is polite in their response, and listens to my concerns, and does everything they can to help me, that's the person. Someone that's very familiar with customer service. Someone that's worked in that position. Someone that's been in... Retail, for instance, any industry that has to do with customer service makes for a great receptionist, front desk, slash uh, a consultant, if you will. And you know, one of the tips that I'll give today <clears throat> is
0: what I found is that <clears throat> cosmetology graduates really do well in the dental office. They're used to close proximity dealings with clients, our, you know, patients in our, in our um, arena, Um, they're used to touching you know the client um, uh, you know their face or or whatever to apply their makeup or their hair and so there's a little bit of an intimate um, thing that happens uh, that at least trust right and so um, so many of my best hires now leaders and managers uh, have cosmetology or aesthetics backgrounds
1: and they're great at small talking for That's another great thing. I sure. It's perfect for being able to communicate to folks.
0: Right, because... You've never met before. The hairdressers at the salon, that's like, you know, the gossip uh, capital of, of uh, wherever you live. So, right. and, and that's, I think that you're right about that. The small talk part of that is really just how to engage. You know, one of the things that I tell my team, too, about the phone is that you want to kind of be, you want to have a, a little bit of a unique um, way of answering. Um, you don't want it to be systematic. You want it to be a very kind of excited, I think, feel for whatever's happening. You actually, as the receiver of the call, want that to be the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to all day. You know, like you could imagine the... um, uh, a receptionist getting ready and then the phone rings and they take a deep breath or something and they just get ready to start talking about all of the you know things that are potentially uh, valuable to the client and asking them how their day is and, you know, I'm happy that you called. I mean, you don't know this person, but what you're doing is creating a an environment to do a little bit of a relationship build, right? Yes. So we're kind of in the weeds here a little bit with the front desk, and we can do this with all kinds of systems and things. But organization, I think, is important, too, with the front desk person because what we're asking them to do then is to, in some fashion, record information about this client so that we have the ability to then close the loop if they miss their first appointment or something happens. We're entitled to follow up you know, with them. Um, but let's get away um, uh, from the phones for just a minute and um, we we well you know maybe we shouldn't get away from the phones at all because we I, I knew this would happen we go and over. so now, we now go we're 20 over. we're 22 minutes into this and we said we we're gonna do 10 to 15 so I guess I have a feeling that we're gonna be doing 20 minute um, 20 to 30 minute podcasts probably most likely okay and uh, uh, but I think that's it's actually a really good start. Um, you know, we have, we have so much to talk about, and you've got so many clients with different experiences. You have clients that. Um, live in the middle of a very small town in middle America Dyersburg Tennessee for example Dyersburg Tennessee is a probably a great example and you have their stories that they've shared with you and and the way that you market in that in those towns and then you also have people in New Jersey and in New York area and how you deal with the media in that area and and uh, you know we talked about digital and and mail but I'm doing a lot of TV. We have a lot of clients that are doing television. That was really a, a big growth uh, opportunity for me. Um, but you know, we've got creative. We could talk about. We have so many different things and why we make uh, those decisions. But I think that um, uh, why don't we wrap this up by just saying, um, you know, any one other little tidbit, you know, from you that you think uh, would trend with this. If you have any notes that you've written as we've been talking for twenty minutes here. What do you think is a good, a good way to, to close basically um, and wrap up from your perspective, what you want the dentists or the um, uh, administrators who are listening to this to know about uh, you, Apex,
1: or marketing in general? I would say in closing that uh, Apex Dental Solutions has your best interests in mind and we want to build a relationship with you. And by being strategic, understanding this business and what we've learned working with Dr. Ben over the years, um, boots on the ground, in the practice, and understanding what, what is best for you. I think that that's what, that is the best approach to take, and transparency through tracking. That's how you know that your systems are in line. That's how you know that you have a great team behind you. And that's how you correct some problems that are there in order to be more successful going forward. Um, I would say that, that, I hope that answers the question.
0: No, I think, I think that that's great. Um, we working with a partner in business in general somebody that you have a personal relationship with somebody that understands your business um, I mean you can read all of these books on business in general and they one of the chapters at least if not the whole book is dedicated to finding partners that are going to be good at what they do and they're going to care about your business and have that proven success and the track record be the measuring stick of uh, your relationship and how well they're doing for you. And so that's, that's what I uh, think is important and it goes right into this. And so I guess um, uh, thanks for starting this up with me. We're gonna do a bunch of these uh, together. So you'll hear from uh, uh, Mike and I a lot. And then uh, sometimes maybe it'll be just Mike, sometimes it'll maybe be just me, sometimes it'll be some others. But, um, I really look forward to doing this because basically what we 're doing here, Mike, is having the conversations that we have with dentists every day every day you know and and so how can we how can we help them uh, you know in this era of dentistry when the business of dentistry is so critical and so again um, uh, from uh, a thank you for joining us from Mike and uh, Uh, Me, Ben Oppenheimer, I, I really do appreciate your time and we'll see you on the next podcast.